Hello, my name is Joey Holtz, a.k.a. Mohawk Joey, host of the Pragmatic Anarchist Podcast. We are here to help workers connect around the world with viewpoints of people who have experienced what they've experienced in the job market. If you'd like to be a guest or have an experience you would like to share, please reach out to Joey at MohawkJoey.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the second episode of the Pragmatic Anarchist podcast, uh, the title of which was coined when I appeared with you guys over on your show, Do Dissidents. Uh, Russell and Keaton, we had a lot of fun talking on there. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Uh, pretty good. Doing all right. Great to talk to you again, as always. It is, it is brutally cold in New York City. Oh, yeah. And I assume uh, upstate up where there? Keaton is. Yeah, mm. wind chill is about negative 10 up here it's it's 12 degrees right now in new york city i'm i'm a little without chilly. the wind chill just straight up 12 degrees i'm a little chilly it's around 60 I'm, i've got my long sleeve on i'm sorry yeah you <laughs> bastard one one of the benefits of living in florida um yeah you know, there, there's a few i like the sunshine and beaches um my, my my piano teacher just absconded to florida it's it's a popular destination um especially nowadays with uh you know, coronavirus restrictions being rampant everywhere, but our governor just being gung-ho about killing all of the old people in our state. So uh, yeah. we're open for business. Yeah. And, well, yeah, you know, lightens up the Medicare rolls. Yep. Yeah, that's a thing. You know, we got to make room for, for the next batch of retirees. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not going to they're not going to kill themselves. But you no, have to rotate some, them out. Some do. Yeah, we oh, man. So you know, it's you like know. a really popular restaurant. You can't sit at the table for three hours, right? Right. But right. The you gotta, restaurant's you really popular. An hour, they turn you over so the next burn, group can come burn. in. That's like Florida with seniors. Exactly. Yeah. They yeah. can't just live yeah. to be 90, 95. They, you know, run yeah. out of room. Come on. You know, people yeah, waiting yeah, to get yeah. in. We've, we've yeah. been filling up fast. Um, and, and, and that brings us to one of the, the topics that has been on everybody's minds the past couple months. We, touched on it right uh when it comes to the work situation in florida and everywhere like my experiment right i did that here uh people around the country were talking about how well you got to check out the numbers over here and over there and maybe it's different in this place well now here we are three months later uh after the 60 minute special that just aired the the reports from Glassdoor, like now there's really no more saying it it's not like that or didn't happen. We're, we're past that now. This is now where we are. It's a worker's world, you know, and we're seeing the benefits of that, right? Sure. And, you know, I mean, look, these media outlets like CBS are going to be the last ones to realize such a thing and acknowledge such a thing because their audience are not workers. Their audience are the management class, you know, the ownership class, you know, uh, or, you know, senior citizens who have been out of the workforce for 15 years, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're of course, going to be the last ones to catch on to the kind of thing that, that you caught on early on, which is why your experiment went viral. Yeah, and um, 
I, I said from the start, you know, give me access to a larger pool of numbers. And, and I'm sure that you'll see this, the people with those large pools of numbers, they weren't looking for this stuff. It, it didn't, it didn't fit with the narrative they were trying to push. Uh, you know, when it comes to my state in particular, our unemployment benefits, we had to end them early. We got to, it's June. We got to cut all these leeches off. Right. Because, because we got to get them out there and back to work because nobody wants to work. Uh, you know, and that's what that whole thing was predicated on. And now here we are six months after all that, like that cutting off of the benefits didn't fill up the empty jobs. Uh, there, there weren't as many empty jobs as they were claiming there were. And I believe in December, unemployment was at an all time low and recorded unemployment history. Right. So obviously right. the, 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 no one wants to work rhetoric kind of just was proven to be false. Just across the board well remember uh unemployment figures don't include people who have dropped out of the workforce who have just given up on getting a job so they're not it's not completely accurate also even though wages have been going up they haven't kept up with the level of inflation that we're getting and finally that inflation started to make a dent in consumer spending consumer spending actually dropped in uh december which should be you know holiday season and all that uh but it actually pulled back i think 1.9 percent uh consumer spending because finally it's getting to a point people just can't afford this kind of inflation uh indefinitely um and yeah, finally we're at a point where something has to change like we're in the middle of those changes well what i think and actually uh crystal ball did a monologue on this this week um, you know, we're probably on the verge of the next, uh, you know, Wall Street collapse driven recession because Wall, Wall Street, it, not, not just in the pandemic, Wall, Wall Street has been running on Fed money since 2008, really. Um, yeah. If you look at the Treasury's balance sheet, which was something she showed in the monologue, you know, up through 2005, the Fed's balance sheet is pretty consistent. And then 2008, it just spikes. And then the pandemic, it just spikes again. And now with this inflation, the Fed is between a rock and a hard place. I look, they would love to just continue with an accommodative monetary policy forever and make all their rich friends richer. You know, they, they would love to just keep that going. But now the inflation is out of control. So they're in a position where they have to start hitting the brakes. But the thing is, the whole house of cards is built on this accommodative policy. So they stop their bond purchases and they, and more to the point, they start raising interest rates. You know, Michael Burry, who I respect, he was, he's the big short guy. He was the guy who called the collapse of the housing bubble. Um, he put out a statement on uh, Twitter. He's actually changed his Twitter handle to Cassandra. Uh, because nobody ever heeds his warnings. And he, um, he said, everybody says to me, why didn't you warn people last time? And I did warn people last time. So here's my warning publicly. The market is going to crash in 2022. Now, he's, this, you know, he's saying this is the mother of all asset bubbles. This is tulip mania times 10. What I we have makes right sense, now. Yeah. But the thing is, this doesn't just hurt the guys on Wall Street when that happens. You remember 2008. I remember it. I lost my theater in 2008. I didn't have any money in stocks. 
Stocks had nothing to do with me. And I could, all of a sudden, overnight, my rentals dried up on my theater because everyone was scared shitless and out of work. and Nobody was going to spend money on anything like that. And I had to pull out of my lease early. So, you know, it's not just the Wall Street guys who are affected. It's going to be everybody. And well, I mean, I drove through the Rust Belt in May of 2009 because I got into a film festival in Michigan. And man, that that was an education. <laughs> Driving through Western PA, Ohio, Indiana, uh, at that Illinois, time, Michigan yeah. at that time. The town that the festival was held in was a beautiful town. It was right on Lake Michigan, you know. Um, you know, big town, not a major city, but you know, big town, probably 50, 60, 70,000 people. When I tell you the entire town was boarded up, except the movie theater, because movie theaters always stay in business because people like go to the movies when times are tough. Hot dog stand across the street from the movie theater, pizzeria down the block, one bar in town, and the yacht club was actually open. So we got to have some of the after parties at the yacht club. That was it. That was well, it. The entire town was boarded up. There literally. will always be drinking where there is sailors. So rest drinking assured, drinking movies there are and boats, pizza, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, you know, Key West. I was, yeah, during 2008, I had just left Georgia to, to Fort Myers, Key West area. I'd been in Georgia doing college. And then the recession hit, right? We got the, that was the Obama stimuluses. We got the $300 and $600 checks when he first hit office. Uh, and it was for the, the low end of the income. A lot of people probably didn't even notice that happened because, you know, I think the, the cutoff was like 50000 a year. Anything below that, you got this like free Obama money. Um and, you know, at the time they came, it was like I had like two bills that were overdue. I was like, boom, paid those and just moved on with my life. It, it didn't change my life for anything. Right. Uh, but then as that recession went on, I ended up moving to California, which as everyone else was recovering, California was still like, no, nah, we're still screwed. Uh, so I, I made some really poor choices in where to be during all that because I, I was broke throughout all that. This bubble that's coming up makes sense. And and we've had this happen in, in, in history, right? In our country, these things have happened a bunch of times. And the last mm -hmm. time that things were this bad that we, we pulled out of it was, and I talk about this sometimes, the when we taxed the rich people back in the 50s, right? There were too many millionaires. We got to tax the millionaires. We taxed the millionaires. Then we built like everything that our country has for an infrastructure right now. And then instead of maintaining it, we let it all go to shit. Uh, yep. You know, you've got yep. the Flint's water pipes and, 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 you know, busted down, you know, power lines everywhere. And, but we, we, we put this system in place, the highways, you know, all of this with money that we took from overinflated corporate assets from cronyism rules. Right. And mm -hmm. then we're seeing the same thing happen uh, over the past 40 years. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it's like you were saying that these guys are talking about, it's this, this, the asset bubble, the, if we just keep giving rich people money, they'll give it back to us. Like, <laughs> uh, sure that's working out they, really they just well. they just buy they just buy back their own stock if right. if you give them those tax cuts that's yeah, what they buy, they, the they buy back cuts. the pieces that they gave to us right. at a cheaper rate than they gave them to us so now our labor has been devalued twice yeah. yeah sure yeah i mean it's gotten to a cartoonish point it's gotten to a point where if you were to make a don't look up type satire about this you know um if people didn't know any better, they'd say it was insane. I mean, you could confiscate if you just confiscated half of Elon Musk's net worth right now, just with half of his net worth, one person, you could finance tuition free two year college for 15 years for the entire country. 
Yeah, 50% wealth tax on one man, 15 years. Everyone in America who wants to go to a two-year college could do so for free if you took half of Elon Musk's money, and he'd still be one of the richest men in the still, world still after be a billionaire. you took half of it. Right. Still continue making his billions, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's the thing. When I, And it's so hard to talk to people about this kind of thing. Like, when we talk about wanting to do something like that, I don't want to take your money, Mr. Bob, that owns a construction business. Like, no. And, and, and them having you convinced that your money has anything to do with their money is why they've already won. <laughs> like, because when, if we took these tax breaks, and, and, and I think I see it because working with guys in this field a lot, construction, pizza joints, shit like this, um, the disconnect there is that when you're a small business owner and you – you open up your small business and like you're getting those tax breaks to like, you know, get going where like everything you can write all these off and, and you feel like you've really made it. Cause like your first year, boom, I got to write off all my taxes. You feel like that's what those guys are doing. Right. And so like, I don't want to take that from them. This is benefiting me. And it's like, that's not what they're doing. Dude. That's the, the feeling that you and them are getting the same benefit from this tax process is built in in order to have the middle class feel like they're the upper class. But we're really everyone that makes below $500,000 a year. We are all poor people compared to, to a drop of Musk's bucket. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you make that point in the past, and it's a good one. But I do think it it should be added that, you know, there is a management class, a small business owner class that has sort of been bought off by the system where you know they are comfortable they feel good in their situation are they a poor schmuck compared to jeff bezos sure but they don't really care that doesn't really bother them um they have what they need they're proud they they, they get get all the toys right i built the business i'm proud and these are the ones who are saying no one wants to work if if you notice it's mostly these small business types who who are saying this and um you know that's why because they're very proud of this business they built. I went and I built the business and they're used to a desperate and immiserated permanent underclass of laborers who have to work for whatever crumbs they throw them. And Absolutely. Because and the, of a number of things guys. now, they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the same guys too. That'll like, while they're saying that they'll, you know, they'll hire an illegal because he's $4 an hour cheaper. You know, they'll, they'll participate in these systems that, perpetuate the problem you know they'll on one like they'll they'll scream build this wall and then they'll hire the guy that doesn't have papers because he's cheaper and then well that's why or, and, and that's why or, they love or, donald or trump they'll do the, the the cash transaction and not report those on taxes and it's like okay guy but like those are all crimes so that you that you rail against well that and and this i mean uh a a guy like donald trump make, makes perfect sense when you look at it that way right because yep. he's exactly the same way build the wall he's hired undocumented workers before he's exploited all of the loopholes that you know he, he has uh, his all finger on the pulse. Has provided them. right yeah he's got yeah, his finger he on the pulse of these he knows people. good yeah. business right i'm good at business i'm business the hardest right well he'll say the system is unfair and then he'll take advantage of the unfair system and yeah. people say well that's this huge inconsistency right all the liberals were you know all putting on late night tv shows look he he rails against china but he makes his ties in china well that's the point that if all of these small business people would say and do the exact same thing <laughs> that's exactly. why they like him that's why you know 
Um, yeah, it's no yeah, one it wants makes to work, perfect but sense. I'm not going to pay them more than $10 an hour. So that's obviously their problem. Well, you know, you, we, we talked about, I mean, you, you had, um, you recommended that I watch the 60 minutes big quit uh, segment. And one of the things yeah. that I thought was really interesting about that segment um, is, is that there is, there is a, a factor here that I think people are kind of missing. They talk about, um, you know, how uh, em- employees are, are tired of their employers. And I think that's true. But they also touched in that segment that a lot of the resignation that's going on uh, are in the food and uh, business and in the um, hospitality business. And I think there's another factor that is contributing to this burnout, which is customers. Oh, I think employees are fed up with customers as well because of COVID, Right. Uh, and look, you know, look, the, ri- I'm, the rise I'm married- of the Karens, you know. Well, yes, exactly. I mean, the, the Karens are a huge problem. And I'm not against people going out to a bar or a restaurant. You know, look, I'm married. I have two kids. If those are the only three people I ever see again, I'd be happy with that. I understand single people get, you know, you've been locked in a room for two years. You have to get out. You have to live your life. You need some human interaction. So Hello. it would be arrogant and selfish of me uh, to lecture people about how, how dare you go out to a Chili's, whatever, and have a good time once in a while with a few friends, right? I, I would never say don't do that. But if you're going to do it, have some respect for the people around you. Well, exactly. Have some respect for the people around you. And also, like, a, a, someone in my situation, um, you know, like, I haven't gone to Chili's. I haven't taken the wife and kids out to Applebee's since COVID happened. And like, I kind of think you probably shouldn't. But if you are, if you're in my spot, you know, um, but if 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 you're not in my spot, then go. But yeah, be cool. Be go- I, I drive one of the my day job now is I drive for all the apps. I do the DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. So I'm in these restaurants all the time, picking up food and leaving. And uh, I was in an Applebee's two days ago. I go into to the Applebee's. I'm waiting for them to box the order up. And there's this woman and her friend you know, dressed, you know, like business suits and stuff like that. Um, this woman is sitting there sipping a, a lemonade. The food's not there yet. And she's coughing and sneezing and wheezing all the constantly for like two minutes straight. Finally, the waitress goes over to her and says, I'm sorry, ma'am, listen, your food's not here yet. So I'm going to have to ask that you put a mask on if you keep coughing like that, just to be safe for our sake and the rest of the customers. Now, she was cool. She listened. She said, OK, fine. I get it. Right. There are a lot of people who wouldn't be that cool about right. it. A and lot it, of people it, give you a fucking attitude so, about it. And then they so tip you 10 percent. It. It's right. so easy yeah. to just do it. Like I've lost <laughs> zero freedom by having a vaccine. I've lost zero freedom by just throwing a mask on when someone asked me to. The people I see losing their freedoms over this shit are the ones dying outside of the hospital because they couldn't get in. Uh, the ones, you know, that, that can't get into the place yeah. they want to go because they refuse to follow the rules or kicked off of their flight because they're punching a flight attendant over a mask. It's like, guys, like you're self-imposing these losses of freedom. It's like punching yourself in the face and be like, oh, my God, I have a black eye. Like, shut up. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, in, in terms of the employees, though, like I think dealing with these people is not worth it anymore. No. And this this dynamic has always existed to an extent in restaurant business, tourism. You know, Russell and I both work in. But, but that we put industry up with here it because York. the money is OK. You know, we used to. Right. But we, but it is very much a like surfs waiting on the 
rich dynamic. Like in oh, New yeah. York City, the, the Uber drivers are all hustling out a very meager living. The cab drivers, right? The, the, the restaurant workers, the busboys, we're all schlepping around these rich people who fly in and stay at the Plaza Hotel for a week. And we're all just hustling and hustling to make their lives very comfortable and very easy. Um, and, you know, we're willing to do it because whatever, you know, it pays. It's a gig. Fine. But under these circumstances now, when the very act of getting on an airplane and flying to New York and putting your family up in a hotel and, go, you know, gallivanting around New York City as if there's not a pandemic going on right. is kind of irritating in the first place. Add to that, you start being a pain in the ass and not tipping and being demanding. People are just like, you know what? Fuck this. I've had it with this. I'm not oh, yeah. doing this anymore. You know? Well, Key West, tourist town, like we're eight square mile island, right? And and that's where I was when the pandemic hit. And when when everything started going the way it did, we were ghost town. Our our, our we had the road blocked off, so you couldn't get into or out of the Florida Keys until June first. And then that first weekend that they opened up that year, uh, it was twenty twenty. Miami shut right back down. Like it, the mayor was like, "Oh, you guys are getting too crazy. Shut it down." So everyone got in their cars and drove south. And that was the first taste of what we thought at the time was just this insanity. We were like, how can people be so rude? We've been like plastic sheets and everything. Like we've been full lockdown procedures, all this stuff. And this is, you know, the rest of Florida was kind of no man's land. And then a couple of cities were like still trying to maintain order. And at this point, like we've all of our mayors have stopped trying stuff like that. Cause every time they do something, government, yeah, whatever we're doing, what we want anyways. And, took away their agency to enforce the things. And so at this point, everyone just gave up. It's like my best chances. I just wear my mask and be jabbed and hope that the unvaxxed don't kill me. Uh, but <laughs> back then it seemed like a weird thing that people would act like this. It was like, you know, at the end of the day, it'd be like, Oh my, I can't believe that person started <clears throat> screaming at you over this mask thing. And now it's just like, that's a part of everyday life in this industry. And the people who are still in it are, are champions for, for sticking it out and putting up with this every day. But like, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. And I, 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 I couldn't, my bullshit tolerance level has gone down so little. Like I, I couldn't, I could not work and put up with these people. And when you think about the jobs that aren't paying enough, right? Like the McDonald's and stuff that are for the high school kids, you, who's going to subject their children to this. I will tell my kid to stay home before I let them go work at a McDonald's where someone's going to throw their, their, you know, like their hot coffee in this, the soup. You know, the lady got the soup thrown at her face. Like these people are animals. Well, funny just and, hearing someone from Florida talk like this because New York, we have pains <laughs> in the ass, but we don't like throw food. <laughs> you don't really hear like throwing punches and throw, throwing, you know, chicken nuggets at people's faces. You guys, oh. you guys are short tempered down there. Uh, and, you it, know, it, we have the reputation the sun, of being hot headed. It's the sun, it's the heat. The yeah. heat gets to you. <laughs> Well, well, you know, that's actually that that there's science. People are more violent in the heat. Yes, of course. Matter. Crime always goes up in the summertime. Yeah. You know, the, every every time there's a heat wave in New York, right? That that shit goes wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, plus you guys uh, aren't used to it. So like at least us, we we we're you know, we've we've been dealing with, with this this hatred our whole lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I to me the big question now with all of this workers empowerment is uh, now they cut off the child tax credit. So what's that going to do? What's that going to yep. do to the unemployment picture? And also, if consumer spending was already trending down because of inflation. What's that going to do to consumer spending? I mean, Keaton, you were a recipient, so. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, we're feeling, I mean, we have been getting the $600 payment hitting the account on the 15th. We're, we're doing this recording on the morning of the 15th. That's not there now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, of, of course, of course. I mean, it's, yeah, but you know, look, they're, they're, they're slowly trying to tweak the dials to reset the dynamic back to what it was because this is very disruptive and it's disruptive in ways that I think are fantastic. Like I think the great, I think the great resignation is a fantastic, very inspiring thing to see, but on the flip side, it does make life harder for everybody, including me. I mean, like I said, I make a living going to, you know, driving, you know, DoorDash, Uber Eats and everything. I don't get paid by the hour. I get paid by the job. So the yeah, more jobs I can do in a seven working. hour period. Well, it's not so much that people aren't buying it. It's that the restaurants are understaffed and it is taking longer to fill each order. So if I do, you know, 25 orders in a, you know, six hour shift, I'll make X amount of dollars. But, you know, I'd rather do 30 orders in, a, you know, in yeah. that same block of time and make a lot more. And the fact that these places are short staffed um, does make it harder and shelves aren't stocked the way they used to be. I do Instacart as well. So I got to go go shopping. When an item is not there, it's a pain in the ass. It slows you down. You got to text to, hey, do you want this flavor bullshit instead of the flavor you put on the thing, right? And they say, yeah, if they have this, look at that. You know, it slows you down. It's easier when everything is there. You scan the barcode, boom, you go. Yeah. So it well, does slow we, things down. We, we've gotten used to a lot of these tough. conveniences yeah. that we have now that we, we really didn't have all the, like the fact that Oh, was the post I saw the other day. It's like people think that like someone from the 17th century would be like astounded by our cell phones. It's like, nah, dude, he's going to see that rack with spices from around the world and be like, you got all those in one spot. <laughs> right. Like, look, yeah. Yeah, I, I made this post the other day. You, you know, you, we didn't have your, your keto mushroom foie gras burgers at every CVS 10 years ago. Like we have right. sort of gotten used to everything being right where we want it when we want it. And, and, and growing up as a poor kid, it was like, that wasn't always the case. Like you're th- there were things that weren't available for you on the shelf. There was, you know, if they didn't have the type of cheese that mom could get with the wicks, you don't get the cheese. Like that's it. They're the sure period. thing. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. And but I'm so, just saying it's not it's, just it's, that it's another, like, it's, it's sorry, another thing where people who never had to experience this type of thing that, that around the world is, is day-to-day life. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden it, it is reaching, people who were used to, you know, hunting at the public's meat aisle, like <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, exactly. But, but that, that doesn't just affect like people and their, their like immediate wants um, or their immediate cravings. Right. Right. Um, because that it, it actually also goes like, as far to like things you need, like, well that, and also like the economy does run based on a model of convenience and instant gratification. Like, I don't want the keto hamburger at CVS, but if I have a DoorDash order and I'm supposed to pick this up and have it to the person's house in 15 minutes so I can check it off and get the next order and maximize my dollarly earnings in an hour, it's a pain in the fucking ass when it's not there. (laughs) Because when it's not there, then I got to call the customer. Hey, they don't have this. Would you like something else? It slows you down. And now I make less money as a worker. I don't even want the hamburger. The burger is not the issue right. for me. I just want it so I can get it to the customer so I can keep moving. And now things do not move as fast. I mean, I made the mistake yesterday of calling my wife and telling her I was on my way home uh, after I got done working. You know where it is. Oh, that, that oh can you out. stop and get a, this on the way? Okay, so <laughs> 20 minutes later, I'm hyperventilating in a fucking 
Dunkin' Donuts waiting for a, a, a latte. 15 minutes you're there, standing there. The drive through line is wrapped around the building. There's one person ahead of me in line. Um, you know, there's only three people working this place, you know, who are doing the best they can. It's not their fault. Yeah. You know, and on one hand, I'm inspired by the fact that there's only three people working here because fuck Dunkin' Donuts, right? On the other hand, I'm about to have a fucking heart attack because I've been standing here for 15 minutes. I'm sweating. I've been working all day. I want to get home and the, the coffee's not coming. And so the, there are two sides to this and it's not just well, a matter but, of comfort. And, and it's then, a matter then we got to remember the thing behind that too is that the manager that's running that has a stack of qualified applicants of that course, he can right. hire yeah, on yeah, yeah. the spot to, to fix this problem. But Dunkin' Donuts won't give him what he needs to offer them what they need to come in and work. Well, right. So, exactly. So hopefully what we'll see if, when this crash is happening, uh, when I was talking to my boss in the keys, you know, we get heat because he's on the other side of this. And I, I was explaining to him, I'm like, you know, he's like, well, if people don't like this stuff, they should just quit. And I'm like, that's what they did. That, right. That's <laughs> what they all did. He's like, well, good. And I'm like, but then in the same next breath, same, he was, he was talking about like the, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't find his cream cheese. I'm like, well, you know, that those people that quit, some of them drove trucks. <laughs> right. Them exactly. Shelf. Like, right. And, right. And, and, and if we, if we just, you know, and I mean, we're not asking to like make everyone rich, but damn, if we can't at least make sure that they can pay the fucking rent, like there are so many, so many places we can improve these things. And there are people out there working on finding ways to improve it on a daily basis. Like we, we have, you know, I, my experiment, I've had people that I've been talking about the changes that we're seeing. There are better offers coming out and there are better jobs happening. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to come back to the workplace. So there's no, there's no uh, amount of offers or changes or benefits are going to happen to bring a lot of these people back and they touched on this in the 60 minutes episode a big number of the people that quit were the boomers the retiring uh you know right. they were gonna work for another five or six years and then they're like but i don't have to so they're not gonna they're just gone and a lot of those people are the ones that were working at mcdonald's for fun or greeting at walmart for fun too like they didn't do it because they needed the money if they needed the money they wouldn't have chose walmart greeter uh, they did it to get out of the house and talk to people and now right. there's no reason to want to get out of the house and talk to people because when you do, they're out there acting a damn fool. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really wonder, though, if this is going to be sustainable. I, I mean, people, people got to eat. In the it's end, not going to be sustainable. People Something's need to pay their change. bills. Well, that, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. It just seems like as a, as a country, we're very close to the edge. Um, it's, it's just, I don't see with where we're at, how this country weathers another economic collapse. Like we saw in 2008, I just don't see how we come out the other side of that without just imploding as a country without just massive political violence and rioting and just, just, I really, I really wish we could go through the political upheaval without all of that, but like that doesn't happen. No one's ever just, no country's ever failed and then just silently transitioned into a good spot to be. Well, also don't forget 2008, as bad as that was, there were factors that mitigated the harm there. Um, Part of it was that the market crashed six weeks before a presidential election in which the country voted overwhelmingly for a candidate who they thought 
stood for the opposite values that the current administration had stood for. They thought Barack Obama was going to get things on track again. And I really thought he was going to pull us out of the war and make us some more money. And he didn't really do either. But he right, gave the exactly. illusion of both for a minute. But that held the country together in a big way because we thought, okay, help is on the way at least. Something like that happens now, a year and a half into Joe fucking pants shitting Biden's administration where he's still got two (laughs) years to go. And then God knows what, maybe Trump comes back. Forget about it. It's just going to explode. There's no hope on the horizon now. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I just yeah. Like if if Michael Burry is right and you get a crash this year. And it's it has the broad impact on working people that the last one did. I just I just don't see how we hold together as a country. I mean, except in a very rough sense, it's just the wheels are just going to come off. I mean, it, 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 it's we're going to have to do what I've been talking about this whole time. We, we, we have to focus on the people around us first. Like when, when I talk about uh, and I'm I'm in touch with people from unions and stuff. Florida is not a union state, uh, but the connections that have happened uh that have come from all of the the experiment and the people has put me in contact with and, and the people that have reached out to me for all the various reasons like i've got a group of people we're working together to put like sort of create some workers protections in a place where we don't have it like and and not relying on the government to do it for the same reason we don't need to rely on the government to raise the minimum wage because the corporations that are paying for these jobs to be done can absolutely raise any wage to a living wage to pay an employee to keep operating like these are things they are capable of doing without government interference all of mm-hmm. the, the the people that say they don't want the government involved with their life but then then like they want to go by the government's rules and how they run shit. the government's telling you what the minimum is to pay they're not giving you a maximum you, you, you want someone in a job, pay someone to do that job, they'll come do it. And the places that do that are seeing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's on us as the people in this country to continue whether or not the country is operating effectively. If I make sure that I'm surrounded by people that if, if the government stopped operating, well, in a lot of ways, it, it doesn't operate in a way that I see works for me anymore. I mean, this is why I'm pretty much an anarchist. Like I, I want to believe in the, the pragmatic anarchy thing. Like I want to believe that this country we live in is great and that we can do these great things. Cause that's what I was raised on. But in practice, I haven't seen it. Right. And none of us have seen it. Like it, it's, we've seen everyone argue and, and flip. And I've, I watched what was the 2000 presidential election. The first one I, I followed. And it's like, just kidding. What happened wasn't really what happened because of these over here. And we're going to go check this box in this back room. And the rules change on a daily basis, depending on who's paying the paychecks over there. Uh, but between me and my friends and the food that I have stored and the boat that he's got over there and this, like, we don't need the government to, to exist in our circle. Right. A lot of right, our country right. needs that. And, and, and we need to get, get back. If, if our food, if we were buying more local food, we wouldn't have as much shit that doesn't show up on the, on the train from Philly with the cream cheese and things like this. Like it, and it shouldn't be on, people to personally take responsibility for the problems that corporations have created in this world. Like, you know, the, the convincing us we're the problem when the environment is being raped by the companies and all these things that they've done, all this marketing they've done to convince people that they are the problem. When in fact, we are the solution. The only way to combat all of those things is to say what you guys are doing and what you guys are saying is fucking bullshit. And, and us over here and camp Joe on the corner of the cul-de-sac, like, we're not 
dealing with that anymore. I mean, that's what America well, started well, on. Well, uh, they, they said, screw you and you're out of touch government. We're out. Unfortunately, we don't have anywhere to run. So we have to stand here, you know? <laughs> well, a little, little weird digression here. Um, in my uh, pandemic reading, I read a book called Civilized to Death that essentially made the argument that everything that people point to as justification for civilization is actually something that was developed to try to address problems that were created by civilization, like modern medicine, uh, dentistry, things like that. Until oh, yeah. people until people start eating grain, they die with perfect teeth. We need dentists because of what civilization has done to our diet. Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah, no, any, that makes sense. So, in any case, um, one of one of the most interesting things you talked about was we have this impression of tribal societies that they're very hierarchical and that basically our way of doing things with kings and presidents is kind of a projection of that tribal tendency to have a, an hierarchical command structure. And actually, he pointed out the studies show that that's not true. In fact, um, in many cases, if somebody in the tribe starts bragging, like shows themselves to kind of be a braggart or somebody who wants to take over or tell people what to do, um, you know, first they'll kind of try to use subtle means of getting that person back on an egalitarian track. And if they persist, a lot of times they'll kill the motherfucker as a danger yeah. to the tribe. So essentially what we have is all those guys run our tribe. Yeah. Those, pe those people who in a real tribal circumstances would have been killed because they would have been recognized as a danger to peace, harmony, and egalitarianism, they're running the show. They're, they're running the whole society. Now, if you look at people on a person-by-person, -person, individual basis, it, look, we, we lived in these tribal circumstances for a lot longer than we've lived in civilization. Uh, you know, The idea that when you get a disaster, everyone's going to go all Lord of the Flies Study after study shows it's quite the opposite. People fall back on their genetic inheritance, which is basically to be cooperative yeah. and egalitarian. Oh, I saw um, it right here in right here in Lehigh Acres after Hurricane Irma, right? Hurricane Irma hit Key West and Fort Myers. Like it did this weird loop. It hit the place where my house and my boat were. I really pissed someone off that year in the hurricane section. Um, but afterwards, you know, we had no power, everything, you know, the town's flooded, all this stuff's going on. And there's no internet. So, you know, the family takes the, the big smoker, puts it up on the corner. All the ribs in a restaurant were about to go bad. So they cook them and give them out. You know, everyone comes together. They help each other. You see a guy standing there like struggling with a tree. You stop, help him drag it off. Like everyone came together and worked together for a couple of weeks. And then the minute the internet went back up, right. Everyone stopped helping like, boom, now we can all go back to living our regular lives. The minute that, that those comforts weren't available, Everyone looked around and said, oh, wow, like, hey, neighbor, you need some help? Oh, hey, you hungry? I got you. This food's going to go bad. Sharing and, like, yeah, people uh, – oh, was, I think it was, what, Tommy Lee Jones, like, Men in Black or something. People – a person is good, but people are dangerous creatures, right? You, you start to right. put a group of them together right. to it's, – it's, it's – yeah. All of our technological advances before, like, the last hundred years where it got all crazy, but going back into the, the tribal systems, I've, I've read a lot about this stuff, too, and – it's shown that like progress happens uh, when it comes to like uh, 
humanitarian, like all the things that we think of as societal values, like, you know, taking care of the people around you and things like this, like they would progress better and take, they, they, all of our examples show you, you get better results from that in smaller groups. You have a group of right. five to 10 right. people well, like does a much better job at taking care of each other than a group of 1000 people, the group of a thousand people, you end up with 20 or 30 people that are just screwed out of the deal. Uh, because of right. politics or whatever. And then, yeah, we're, we're that inflated to, you know, 500 right. million and well, 200 well, because, years of bullshit rules. Well, it's also, it's hard to project tribal values onto people you're never going to meet. Right. Right. I mean, really, we evolved in bands of about 60 group members, all of whom. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, the government of very the United well. States before the United States existed, if you look at the, the, the tribal nations and the mm-hmm. way that network worked, like, it was it was the truest example of of small localized government on a large mm-hmm. scale because right. Right. every tribe was its own thing and they just all worked cooperatively in the ways which they needed to and in the ways which they did not they just stayed the fuck out of each other's way right right um yeah i mean communism in a lot of ways was an attempt to try to figure out how to have these tribal values within an impersonal massive state and clearly it didn't go very well (laughs) at least in in the soviet union and i think that is partly the problem of the impersonal nature of mass societies it's hard to tell people to be invested in people that just they're they're an abstraction how do you wrap your head around 60 million people, 100 million people? Well, and, and yeah, in our, in people. our country, and our country is so big, and, and we have these things that are about to happen, uh, the, another crash and, and, and the political divides that we've had. And, and we really are almost like at this point, it almost would be better. I'd split America into like a couple of sections. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe we got the middle, you know, but then that's going to be a whole different thing. There, there's, we couldn't split it up even if we split it up into 50 separate states, there's just going to be more issues that that creates than, than, than solutions. I, I think we have a broad problem with a corrupt ruling class that needs to be removed from power. Yeah. But um, Th- that's you know, not going to happen without pitchforks. Is, who, yeah. Who is it? Hannah Rent, who said, um, never, uh, never think the powerful will allow you to vote them out of power. Yeah, (laughs) you know, like January 6th last year, we saw it almost happen, right? Like you, you, yes. Well, and this, this is, this is a big part of why they've tried to drum up so much focus on that rather than to examine the causes of it, because yeah, that's terrifying to them. It exposes how rickety the system is, especially because the, um, the cops very often drawn from the same class as the rioters. Right. So and, that, when, and that's, and, 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 you know, one of my hot takes that people didn't really particularly like from me last year, but I, I wasn't mad that the Capitol was being stormed. I was not mad that people were trying to take the power back from a corrupt government. I was mad that the people that were trying to take that I was mad for the reason, because that, that is just, that's not how that works. Like, I'm really glad that there's 
Well, yeah, to keep that people that are mad enough that they they want to take the power back, but it's the it was the wrong people, and it was for the wrong reasons. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. But what does it say about if they if, the, they, if they stormed the Capitol demanding that uh, you know a wealth tax and yeah. that uh, members of Congress can no longer trade in the stock market? Yeah, give us I, the benefits. I, I, you guys yeah, but it, the people, wait, the wait, people. If that had been the motivation, we would have gotten kicked off Facebook a long time ago because we would have been like. Viva la yeah. revolution! For sure, exactly. but they, look, the people who want a wealth tax don't have the balls to do that, right? You know, the the, the people who want the, who wanted a second Trump term are the ones who had the balls to do that, and that's why they did it, and that's why people well, because like it's us built just into those of us, those of us who want <laughs> those because of us don't who have the balls to do it for people know that what's best for people isn't to go punch them in the face and tell them to do what we want. You know what I mean? Like. That's that's a problem with being the more civilized half of the argument. It feels like it's like my ability to overcome the desire to punch you in the face is the reason that I feel the way that I feel. Your inability well, to overcome that is why you're in this. Let's go take it mode. Well, we have to we have we have to be careful here. We're going to get to dangerous territory. But listen, yeah. I, hey, it's, it's not the, my show. I'm a we're we're guests on this one. Hey, this I'm a pragmatic the, uh, anarchist. Yeah. If we can't pragmatically <laughs> talk about anarchy, then why are we here? There's gonna it's uh, it, the the left wasn't always that way. Uh, in it, this is, well, I I'm I'm not big on um, conspiracy theories, but we got we got to draw the line in the right place, and it, I, it is I, a financial line. And it is not right. left or right. It is up and down. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I have uh, I've long been fascinated by 60s and 70s uh, thinking and revolutionary movements. And, you know, it wasn't until I read a book that was not directly about guerrilla um, actions in that period. It was called Nixon Land. Uh, and it was basically it was a book that wanted to examine the Nixon years from the angle of what was happening in the country rather than an insider view of what was happening in the Nixon White House. And and it was, it was in that book that I discovered that we used to have in the early seventies, we used to have 2000 domestic bombings a fucking year, Mm -hmm. a year. Like I had never come across that information, that, not in any time life retrospective that's, on the. That's 60s way more or than the, the school shootings that, now. So yeah, that's a number they didn't ever. No, they there. would bomb all the time, and these were not right wing domestic groups. These were left guerrilla groups. The most famous, of course, was the Weather Underground. Um, but so at one time, it was actually the left that was doing those things. It was actually the left that would go bomb. A government building um, well hey you know lately everyone's had the internet to blow off our steam and, and 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 kind of get us through the pandemic and while everyone was home like but if you know this collapse thing is coming and people are pissed and 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 the ability to keep ourselves distracted starts starts losing its grasp well maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll see a rise in that again i i would hope that our country can find a way out of this hole without violence and anytime we've seen someone try to do that, someone shows up and starts like tear gassing them and punching them. And then, well, well look, you could you could definitely argue that things like that empowered Nixon and later on empowered Reagan. Yeah. Like you could definitely argue that if you have an enemy, a, that was fight. a that was a counter reaction to people feeling the country's gone crazy and they're running around and bombing post offices. And we need to elect a strong man. 
Well, the uh, question even, is, how effectively can the ruling class and the sort of bought off, you know, managerial class that I talked about earlier, how effectively can they insulate themselves from the consequences of this? Because if they start feeling it, there is going to be demand to do something about it. And that demand will come through the political system. If they don't feel it and they can just go on TV and talk about January 6th as if it's it's this like total anomaly as opposed to what it was like in 1997. Sure, that would have been a crazy thing. You know, but this was literally uh, but, after but this a was, year of riots. So right. it, it wasn't. And so if they are still able to put that narrative out there, then the political system is not going to respond to the crisis because they own the political system. And so yeah. the only way that uh, there is going to be a peaceful solution is if everybody and by everybody, I mean, not you may be, I'm like, look, Jeff Bezos is never going to feel it. Right. But if the pizza shop owners. Right. And the guy who owns a chain of gas stations, if that precarious upper middle class, you know, um, uh, um, section of, you know, bosses and owners and managers, people with not mansions, but nice homes, when they start feeling the crunch, that's when political change can actually happen in, in a nonviolent way. But but if they just wall themselves off, as they've been able to do since 2008, frankly, um, and just let everybody else. They just got rich. Suffer and scrounge. Right. They, they've been doing. Yeah, they got well richer in 2008. They got, they got richer in the pandemic. Okay. In, in 2010, right. if they don't feel there's not going to be a peaceful solution because they because the political system, which they own, is not going to respond. Fair. It doesn't respond yeah. to democratic input now. It's not going to respond to democratic input as long as those people remain comfortable. But and we are so now at least at a point. We are now at least at a point where where the the aging out of people from that, like the further down that line we get, like now I'm almost old enough to be eligible to be president. I'm not, but I I mean you've seen James Gunn's tweets, like the stuff that I posted online. I'm never going to be in that type of politics for sure. Disney will never hire me, but you know, the, the political climate that we're in and these changes that are going to come and, and, and these, these people that are going to see these effects, like those are going to be us now. Like, like, even though it can't be me, like the people who are more in line with, and I hope they, I feel like they are there. There's, there's things that won't be an issue anymore. Like eventually, our generation, you know, when it comes to uh, trans rights and, and, and racism and stuff like we are really, really, really ahead of it. Like we don't want to be participating in those stupid systems anymore. Can we please get over it? Uh, you know, in a generation or two, like hopefully those aren't issues. But the way our country works in reality, just like racism is not supposed to be an issue anymore. It's still baked into the system that is ran in a lot of ways. There's no easy way to make our system uh, when it comes to this. We can't fix it to not be biased against poor people. Like it's always going to screw us as poor people. As long as banks can charge an empty bank account $35 per transaction, that bank is built to to keep rich people rich. You know, sure, and, and that's why poor people are never on the uh, sort of um, vanguard of the, the, the you know like fixing because problems we can't afford that to be that, in politics. That, well, but also that's why they're never centered in any sort of cultural movement. I mean, you talked about right. trans rights now is a big push among, you know, comfortable liberal 
leftist, yeah. right? Well, and, and, and 10 it years ago, money, it, it was gay marriage. to transition, though. Like, even that, like, the privilege to transition is, is, is monetarily based in a way. Uh, yeah. Trust me. Big way. You ain't my, kidding. My, All right. My, one you, of my yeah, yeah, friends, you ever see I, I, I a rich trans person the... versus a poor trans person? The rich oh, trans my... people are gorgeous. The poor trans people? Ooh. My my poor trans friends are gorgeous too, but I had to sit there with them through the struggle and goddamn. No, I, I mean, I don't mean like spiritual. I mean I know, like I've yeah, but seen, like you just you afford know. all the extra bells and whistles, right? Exactly. Um, and you know, like what what I would say is like, you know, the 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 trans rights uh, push now is just eight years divorced from or eight years after the gay marriage push. In other words, there's always going to be a new cultural push right yes. um that that, that something to all take that, the focus off where liberals where, and where leftists can be. all feel good about themselves without yeah. costing the ruling class any money or any power right there's yes. always going to be something like that i don't know what it's going to be in 10 years 10 years you know i forget it. i won't make that joke but anyway <laughs> there's always going to be something there's always going to be something i'd make it on my show we'll make it on yours uh but but um there's always going to be something there but you're never going to have until the people with money are affected by whatever cataclysmic yeah the last 10 years didn't affect bezos or musk or anyone bad they went from two billion to 200 billion so like it's working for them really well why would they they want it to stay exactly how it is and the pandemic made it even better right like amazon has greatly benefited from the pandemic everybody of course florida all all Mm -hmm. all of florida's like bullshit that they were talking like all of the foreseen losses we were going to take through the pandemic nine out of 11 industries showed growth last year. So like the, the big bad economic things were going to happen here because of the, the, the bailout money and our, and our governor's refusal to, to, to enact any sort of precautions. Once he told you fuck it wild West, like we're in a bubble in Florida that I don't think is happening other places, but it is, and this is where, and, and we're going to wrap it up here. We're getting about to the end. Uh, but I do want to leave off with this because it, it is one of the things I'm trying to push. Like Florida is perfectly poised to unionize. If we look at the times and places where unionization has happened, uh, the, the railroads, you know, we have the power. We're building the fucking railroads. Like you have to listen to us or the railroad doesn't get made. This is where everybody's coming. All of that food and beverage industry, every, every single person in Florida that like goes to work every day right now, like and puts up with these people because it's it's everywhere that should it's it's, everyone comes to florida to be an asshole right now it's like and and the pandemic's made it worse and they're like the the anti-masking and the anti-vaxxing and it's just also like i have lost zero freedom from being vaxxed but these these workers that are doing it like and everyone i talk to like this is where we can organize like new york same thing like new york organized its unions when everything was getting built because that's where the money was being spent and, and, and the money wasn't going to be made without the people making it for them. So right now, the workers of Florida are literally poised. We are what runs the state that Governor DeSantis is so lovingly keeping open for everyone to come hang out in. Like, But him saying, keep the doors open, it's not going to work if we're not at work because they're not paying us more than $10 an hour. So I'm hoping that, that some worker protections at least come from all this i'm hoping that at the very least like union membership's been what is it less than 10 percent, and that's like an all-time low since unions started being a thing i don't know if i I don't even know if unions are the word Uh, uh, maybe a new form of a union or something but a way to protect people from this shit because the government's not going to do it right the government's not going to protect us 
from anything. The government's going to protect their, their pockets and their interests, period. The only people who are going to protect us is us. Well, yeah. And I mean, this is, this is, um, this is a, a, one of the other big questions is, you know, and at like, like what Russell talked about earlier, like how much longer can this go on? Because yes, you like to see workers holding out. You love to see that. You love to see, I'd them, see them go to work more. and be able to pay their bills. Right. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, right. People do need to eat and there has to be some government response in order to make that happen. So like we talk about, you know, there's a big debate going on right now in New York and all over the country um, about whether we should be sending kids to school um, to learn in school or whether they should learn remotely at home. And, you know, look, a big question is if they stay home, are parents going to be able to stay home and watch them? And if they can't stay home and watch them without without losing a ton of money every month and not being able to pay the rent to the mortgage, can you actually have at home learning? You know, right. And so the and so there has to be some organized government response to that. If you gave everybody two thousand dollars a month as Kamala Liar Harris was on record supporting when the Democrats had no power. Now that she's a vice president, she hasn't said a peep about that. Right. But as a senator and would be VP. Oh, yeah. Let's give everybody two thousand. If everybody had the means to stay home if they needed to work from home, if they needed to, uh, then you could have kids stay home and learn from home if they needed to. Why can't you just have schools open and have every teacher just Zoom what they're doing? So you can have some kids need the social interaction of being in school and the parents have to work. Those kids can come in and the kids who could stay home can stay home, but everybody gets right. two grand a month so that, you know, it's not if, a if deal breaker for anybody. If your parents I mean, have a weird schedule, if your parents are working this day, then you're in school. And if they're not, okay, school at home today, teachers on the Zoom. Like that, that makes, that's, that's makes good sense. Why right. not have and a UBI? Options? Because you don't want a situation where the rich kids get to stay home and, and be safe and the poor kids' whose parents have to work, you know, an <laughs> eight hour shift at the gas station have to go in and get COVID. So, Give everybody some money, which was a mainstream idea in Democratic politics up until they had the ability to actually do it. Um, and, you know, maybe open I say, I say full U- UBI, but no, nobody's on board with the UBI thing. I, I well, that's think what I was that talking about, the UBI. Problem. Yeah, like, well, the UBI really is a no-brainer, should, of course. The only, the only, the only, Why not? The only, the only thing I would add to that is, as for lack of somebody with more qualifications as the resident economist at due dissonance, (laughs) um, 40% of the money supply existing in the world has been printed over the last year and a half. So we are testing modern monetary theory in a way that it's never been tested before. Um, So I personally, and Hey, I'm a leftist man. I would love to be able to say that I believe you could just keep printing money, and that's how you take care of everything. We know that Hist- doesn't work. History would suggest that it does not. I mean, one of, one of the first um, empires to discover this was actually the Mongolian Empire. It was a big part of why it didn't last very long, because they started just printing money. Yeah, yeah you can't just cover their military rapidly, expansion. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Weimar Germany and, and so on. So my preference for how policies like that would be enacted is, look, we want to half-ass everything and we don't want to, basically, we don't want to cause any pain to the wealthy. Rather than to print more currency, I would argue we should be taking 
currency. Well, of course. <laughs> well, well obviously. Well, well, obviously. Well, but no, the, nobody... the, the tendency, I think, on the left is to go towards modern monetary theory these days because we know they're just not going to take money away from the rich. That as soon as we make taking money from the rich a part of the conversation, that's it. Right. That's it. And it's, it, and it's like, but because they, they think but we're talking there could about be them. Consequences and it's like, we're not for that. Yeah, we're not talking about you, Mr. Joe Smith, that owns a little construction company. We're talking about like, you know, you, you could you could take, let's say, the top two percent of wealth earnings. Right. Just just right. cut that off right. the top and then just redistribute that at the bottom two percent. That hey. that would create a huge fix. Like they say, how many people that help? It help a lot more people than it does not doing it. Wall Street transaction taxes. I mean, you book a hotel room. Look at how much tax is on that. Right. You know, oh, the hotel is 150 a night. By the time the taxes are added, it's 210. You know, right. have a Don't forget the resort fees. There's all kinds of things you can do. So, yeah, I mean, I don't which, know any... which is also going to tamp down speculation. Like at yeah. this point, look, to me, the greatest symbol that we're we're maybe coming to the end of a speculative madness is the metaverse. The I the, the way people are bidding up non-existent virtual real estate in the metaverse i mean how much more decadent can you get you have you have homeless veterans if, all over if the i country. could if i could move and into people the metaverse, are, are I paying money for <laughs> i would just move right well, into well, the internet apparently, like apparently a lot of people feel that way yeah just jack um, me into the matrix i don't even want to remember that like that, the not matrix and, is a thing just just I want to be the guy in the first matrix. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, Joey Pagliano with the steak saying, yeah, I don't want to forget (laughs) and make me rich. I'm good. And that's the problem is a lot of people that they go through the struggle, like they get, they get to the point in their life where like, maybe, maybe like, you know, the struggle is no longer as bad. And then so you forget where it was. And then, and then all of a sudden you get the success and you forget that like in your twenties, you would have punched the guy you are today in your, in the face. Like I think about that sometimes. I'm like, if I told me I was living in this house, my name, I, I wouldn't believe me. I'd be like, there's no way. I just like relaxed and 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 hung out with my dog for a year and didn't go out on crazy adventures. Like, but yeah, yeah, that's you know, it's it would have been irresponsible for me to 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 go out and do the type of shit I used to do. You can't anymore. I can't go sailing from island to island, uh, all willy nilly with nothing but a passport and a whim because because there's a pandemic now there's there's it's yeah well i mean yeah I, you know it's it's funny because and and I, I i know we have to wrap soon but like a lot of people i think are coming to an almost opposite realization like i spent my 20s hustling and working all day every day as hard as i could trying to save something up trying to get enough money to buy a house trying to because you know i was really just working all the fucking time and then when the pandemic hit and i couldn't work anymore it led to a period of reflection that i think a lot of other people have had which is i've been busting my ass this whole fucking time and what has it gotten me nothing nothing and even if it did get me something look at how quickly that something could have been taken away by a tiny little virus Yep. you know and so what's the invisible point monsters anymore? ruin our world and, and that's why and that's and that's one of the driving forces behind the great resignation and the big quit right and the no one wants to work thing yeah and it, and it's it's and and we will wrap here um it, it we, we've been running a little long but it's it, it is 
it's been really nice to talk to you guys. Like when, when I first came on your podcast and you said I was the most famous person been on there, I didn't realize that I was really that famous yet. Like <laughs> now that it, now, now that it's all died down and stuff, it's, it's, you know, it's been an interesting journey, but it went from something where, you know, a conversation, a, a, an action taken out of spite and then a bunch of connections has now turned into, uh, you know, now I'm part of a community that is a group of people trying to work towards like making our little section of this universe better. Like the, the no one wants to work group has been, you know, watching on a daily basis, like people like lifting each other up and, and, and helping us through this thing. Cause, cause at the end of the day, we're the only people that are going to look out for us. And, uh, and, and it's been really great to have you guys as people to talk to through all this. Um, you, you guys have been uh, very informative and very helpful in the process. So thanks for being on with me today and uh, talking with me. <laughs> Thank oh, you. thank you, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I guess uh, I'll I'll do the I'll do my thing. I'll let you guys uh plug the do dissidents. Uh, I'll plug my stuff real quick. Obviously, uh, thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. Anyone who would like to join the Patreon, uh, it's uh, www.patreon.com/slash/mohawkjoey, and uh, that's that covers all my stuff. Uh, the GoFundMe and everything still on the Facebook Mohawk Joey. Uh, do dissidents uh, podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are. You guys are on Facebook as well, correct? Uh, that's right. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, and this and is we the, got a YouTube channel too. And uh, YouTube channels also called Do Dissidents. Thank you guys for joining us here on the Pragmatic Anarchists, and uh, have a wonderful day. I got the jam. The jam and make you go to work, 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 work. work. That needs a boy. I got the jam. Make you go.